0: Welcome back, everybody, to episode two of Draft Capital NFL. As always, I am your host, Mo Murphy. And with me, I got my co-host, Stuart brookin aka Stu pop Stu, how you doing
1: tonight? Oh, I'm good, man. I'm good. Would be better. Could be better, but you know, it is what it is. This?
0: Yeah, I get it. I mean, you know, if we get to our NFL teams, but we also have a special guest tonight. We got our guy Thad from Off the Ball Network over there from what, what the game means to me. But before we bring him in, we're going to debut our intro here on episode two. Shout out to our guy, Justin Payton, A.K.E. JP, the franchise. And we'll be back to you right after the intro. All right, welcome back, welcome back. And like I promised you guys, we got our special guest, Dad, in the building, the co-host of What the Game Means to Me. Y'all probably know him from What the Game Means to Me or the Bell and Brown Hour that they do every week. Dad, what's going on, bro?
2: What's good, man? Uh, I appreciate you guys having me on. Ready to talk some college ball. You know, it was a good week last week for me in the NFL, but, you know, ready to talk about some rookies and some, you know, some young prospects. So let's get to it.
0: Yeah, 100%. So today's more going to be a fun show uh, our main focus is really to go over the 2024, 2021 NFL rookies. Uh, we'll touch on a few things prior to that. We'll close out with that. That'll be the main focus of the show. So we're going to start with, like I guess, the big news today, and that's that Jamison Williams declared for the NFL draft. For those of you that don't know, that aren't into college football and didn't watch the national championship, which would be like nobody in America, uh, Jamison Williams wore <laughs> his ACL. Uh, you know, in the national championship. And he he decided to declare for the draft, arguably the best receiver uh, going into the draft, definitely top three at worst. He was right there in the conversation with his former Ohio State wide receivers, uh, Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson. And he was also, you know, Drake London uh, is another guy that has been mentioned in those top five wide receivers. Stu will have that coming for you in the following week. So you'll really see how we rank uh, and evaluate these receivers. But Stu, I'll start with you um, with Jamison Williams declaring for the draft. Obviously, he's going to have to have uh, surgery on his ACL. What do you think about him declaring for the draft? I think we all knew this was going to happen, but that torn ACL so late, obviously, in January, in the national championship, how is that going to affect his draft stock, if you think it affects it at all?
1: I, I mean, I think it will. I think it has to, right? Like, this is a guy who, in my opinion, uh, I'm just going to be honest with you. I'll, I'll share behind the curtain a little bit. Going into this, was my number one wide receiver in the draft and you know he got hurt in the national, national championship. And I'm not going to say I may drop him. I may not. I'm going to have to reevaluate. I probably will because, you know, injuries, especially injuries like this, like you can't go into a draft and be the number one guy and be hurt, but he's going to, you'll probably see Chris Olave go before him and you'll probably see Garrett Wilson go before him. Now he'll probably still go above Drake London. So I still think he's a, a first round pick but i do think he went from being easily a top 10 guy to maybe falling in the late twi- late teens to early 20s. Yeah,
0: i mean it's tough to say i don't i don't know, you know before we give it to that. I don't know if he'll go first round. Um tearing your acl this late like in january, you're yeah. not you're not participating in the combine, you're not going to be able to work out for teams. The only thing you're going to do is get surgery and then you're going to have a meeting with these teams and basically they're going to be able to see where your head's at. Uh, get in the film room with the wide receiver, but you're not, he's not going to be able to show off his physical attributes. He's not going to be able to compare. All they have is game film in college. And really, it was one breakout year, right? He was the fourth wide receiver, four or five at Ohio State his first few years, uh, goes to Alabama and basically has a breakout year. Typically, we see this with quarterbacks, not so much wide receivers who have that one, you know, breakout year and turn into be a first round pick, uh, top at their position, but that was with Jamison Williams. So that, what do you think about Jamison Williams declaring for the draft, knowing that he has to get in, uh, ACL surgery?
2: You know, it's kind of what he had to do, uh, in my opinion. It hurts to have it this late, him not being able – they have the tape from college, but him not being able to go through the combine and, like you say, the pro day all those other things, the private workouts that the teams may want to do. But uh, it was just the right decision, the business decision. Uh, him coming back after this breakout year would kind of hurt him. You know, his stock is as high as it's ever been, so uh, – it was a great decision for him and he he turned a lot of heads this year Uh and him being hurt might not be the worst thing for him. You know, him going uh, in the back half of the first round or early second round, he's potentially just going to a better spot, you know, with an established QB because you know, those teams in the bottom 10 might not be that good. They might not have a quarterback. They, the roster might just be in shambles and they're trying to rebuild and for him to be able to potentially walk into, you know, maybe a, Patriots or a well-established organization might be best for him. So, you know, good luck with the draft process. But he made the correct business decision for sure. Yeah, I mean, he had to go to the NFL. uh,
0: With the breakout year he had, even though he tore his ACL, like we knew this was a guy. He's going to the NFL. He's going to be a first-round pick. But So I'm going to ask this question, and then we'll move on, and this is directed towards you, That Guys like this, like you said, could slip late first round, early second round. Your team could have a early second round pick. If he's available early in the second round, the Jags are on the clock. They didn't get one of the top-notch receivers, which I doubt they'll do with the top five pick anyway. Jamison Williams is on the board. Will you be satisfied if Jacksonville goes ahead and drafts him? Because there's been plenty of times throughout the year where Trevor Lawrence has thrown dime passes. He's looked really well, and his receivers haven't done him any justice. LaVisca Chenault was in and out of the lineup. Uh, Marvin Jones Jr. is exactly what he's been his whole career, a flash guy, a really big game, you know, consistently bad games and another really big game to put some respect on his name. Uh, And even, obviously, Chark being hurt and was out for the year. Jamison Williams is on the clock early second round. The Jaguars have the pick. Do you take him?
2: Based off this season, we kind of have to. You know, we have the third most cap space, so it depends on what we do in free agency. I don't know the big-time receivers that are going to be out there, but we saw the effect when DJ Chark went down. Uh, Teams are doubling Marvin Jones. He was he was solid for us. He had seventy catches. It wasn't a bad year, but he's just not a wide receiver one. And um, yeah. you know, we, when you have guys like Laquan Treadwell as your wide receiver two, who's bouncing around the league, you kind of know you, you need a little help. Even though he was good for us this year, I hope we re-sign him back. But we need that other guy that can, you know that demands one on one coverage and that can take a top off the defense, which Jameson Williams can. So I wouldn't be mad with the pick. Any anything at this point to help our our quarterback, I'm good for. And you're right about the first pick. We're gonna go. We're gonna get help on the defensive side for sure.
1: I think uh, I think what you should what you should do is pay Marvin Jones back up to Brink's truck for him getting Urban Meyer fired, in my opinion. I mean, great job, Marvin Jones, give him the Brink's truck, pay him whatever he wants.
0: Yeah, I mean, he did. He did essentially get rid of the coach. (laughs) That was the final straw. That last story was the story. The last story we heard him, and then the story about him kicking the kicker prior to you know Urban Meyer getting fired. So I guess that little altercation between him and Marvin Jones basically has the Jaguars possibly trending in the right direction as long as they make you know the right call for head coach. So we'll move on, and we're gonna talk about Stu's running back rankings. Um, If you haven't go subscribe to off network.substack.com or draftcapitalnfl.substack.com uh, to really go ahead and read his article and dive into uh, his running back rankings. He explains why he has everybody where. But what better than to actually present them here on the show and allow Stu to explain and allow me and me and Thad to give some pushback if we have any. So right here you see it: our Stu's top five running backs. At one, he's got Kenneth Walker. Two, Zach Charbonnet three, Brees Hill, four, Isaiah Spiller, five, Kyron Williams. So, Stu, I'm going to give you the floor. Obviously, these are your running back rankings. What went into ranking who, where, and is there anybody on your list that you see could move up or drop down after the combine? Is there is there somebody you look at or somebody on that, that was right on that outside that didn't make the cut that you expect to be in your top five after the combine is all said and done?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think somebody could move up, especially – once you check his speed and you see how good of a pass catcher he is at the combine, it'll be Kyron Williams from Notre Dame. Maybe out of my top five, the best pass catcher out of all these running backs And in a league now where they throw the ball a lot. You could move him out into the slot. Notre Dame did this a lot with him. You can move him out of the slot. You could throw. Throw the ball to him, he runs some good routes, he can make some diving catches. He's a really good pass catcher. And I think he can be dynamic in a way, kind of not exactly because he's not as fast, but kind of in a way you see the Colts use Naheem Hines and those little slip routes. And you know, they get the ball up to him quickly. He makes some moves happen. I think that's what you could see with Kyron Williams. I think he can move up. A guy I could see falling, and I said this in the article, is Isaiah Spiller. Like I like Spiller. I think he's he shows some great traits, vision, all that stuff, but he's slow. For running back, he is slow, and I think you know we'll see. I mean, there's game speed and then there's combine speed. So like his combine speed may he may show up, he may run whatever he runs, but I, the game speed on film, he doesn't break away from the defenders, and you know he he doesn't have that play. My top two guys and Charbonnet and Kenneth Walker when when they get the handoff and they get on the edge, they outrun those defenders. Isaiah Spiller doesn't do that. If you can't outrun college guys, you're not going to outrun NFL guys. I said that in the article. But I think he has enough traits to where I think he can be a guy who gets enough handoffs. He could do some stuff. He could do some damage. I'm not saying he's going to have breakaway speed. I'm not saying he should be the feature back. If you put him in a committee, I think he could do some damage. But he's not going to be a guy that, like a Jonathan Taylor or a Derrick Henry where he could be the focal point of your offense and carry your team. It's just not going to happen.
0: Yeah. And we're in a time in the NFL now where you don't necessarily need that star running yeah. back, like a guy who can be in that committee. Some, a lot of teams, obviously, is a one, two punch. Some is one, two, three. But you see a lot of, you know, you had a, a McCaffrey and Chuba Hubbard. You got Zeke and Pollard. You had uh, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Like, those guys, the way they run the ball and the way they do it by committee, it keeps it fresh. And you ultimately, essentially, a lot of them have two different styles of play. You got Kareem Hunt, who's a great pass catcher, to complement. He can run hard, and and he still runs the rock really well. But he complements, you know, Nick Chubb. The same way with Zeke and Pollard. Like, Zeke gets the dirty work, gets you that hard three or four yards. And Tony Pollard is that burst of speed. You know, people like to call them thunder and lightning. Essentially, if you can find that kind of guy in the NFL draft – A lot of running backs, especially now, they won't go first round. Maybe Kenneth Walker is probably the first round. He's probably the first round guy, and I don't know if he goes. He Um, won't.
1: I I have a second round grade on Kenneth Walker, and he's the highest one I got. Listen, I love him. I think he's, he's going to be a very good running back in this league for a long time. I really do. But none of these guys scream first round picks to me. If you look at the top two rushers the last two years, that's okay. I mean, Derek Henry was a second round pick and so was Jonathan Taylor and both of them led the league in rushing last year and then this year, Jonathan Taylor. So that's okay. But I I did say this in the article. You do get these GMs every year that fall in love with certain players and draft them a little higher than they should. But to me, my grade, I I just don't see any of these guys being first round picks.
0: Yeah, I agree. And Kenneth Walker kind of. He kind of was like – he didn't do it consistently. Obviously, he was a transfer. But this year that he did, had at Michigan State, it was just like that final year we saw with Jonathan Taylor at Wisconsin. Wasn't quite that final year we saw with Derrick Henry, obviously, you know, with winning the Heisman. But still, like that last year that we got to see you, you played absolutely amazing. Um, and with Kenneth Walker, to me, the determinant factor of people actually falling in love, I think had he played well against Ohio State, I think he'd be a first-round back. I really do. But it's a lot of guys in the Big Ten, Jonathan Taylor, Melvin Gordon, Monty Ball, uh, Saquon Barkley. Even though Saquon Barkley went top five, everybody to this day argues that should have never happened. But it's always been those guys that play absolutely – and the real test has always been against Ohio State. Grand Ohio State's defense wasn't that great this year, but it seems like all those top running backs that come out of the Big Ten failed to get it done against Ohio state. And that kind of knocked them a little bit. And that was the game scouts would be looking at as like, you'll put your stamp on us. We'll fall in love with you. If you do it against typically the best team that you're going to face, um, it's arguable whether this was the best team or Michigan, obviously Michigan beat Ohio state. And he did play really well uh, against Michigan, especially late in that game. And essentially ran random, you know, to come back in the comeback and win. But uh, one guy I'm in love with, I like Brees Hall. I yeah. think he, wherever he goes, he's going to go to a good team. He might be running back too. I don't think he's going to be expected to take the bulk of the carries, but he's going to be a guy I think in the NFL for a long time. He's going to make the most of his carries. I don't. He's not the flash like the the lightning that Tony Pollard is, but I think he's the Tony Pollard role on another team that already has a running back. I can see him in the second or third round with Pittsburgh. I know they took a running back. I doubt they really take him, but if even if he drops to the third round, because this isn't, to me, the strongest group of running backs that we've seen in a while. So a guy like Brees Hall could be available. You get him and Najee Harris together. You're looking for that real strong running back, too. I know they love Benny Snell over there, but I think Brees Hall would be a major upgrade there. Um, so I'm looking at that, and I, I really am in love with Brees Hall. And then Charbonnet, and he reminds me, and Thad is very familiar with this guy. But he reminds me of a former UCLA running back who played who played over there in Jacksonville.
1: Yeah. That's he's that's my comp.
0: Maurice Jones drew to me. Like, I, I don't know why. I think maybe he's he's not as small as Jones Drew, but he's still very compact. He's big, he's got those big old legs, and he runs low to the ground just like Maurice Jones Drew did. Will he be? As great a back as Jones Drew was in in his great years, no, I don't think so. But I think they're just very similar the way they run the ball. So I'm going to throw it to you that based on Stu's running back rankings, who are you in love with, who could drop, who could fall? Just your thoughts on the running back rankings and the running backs overall.
2: Uh, I agree with him. You know, they're, it's not it's not too bad. Like you said, it's not a crazy running back group. Um, Brees Hall, I'm really, really high on, but his carries are really, really high. He had over 700 carries in three years in college. So. Like you said, him going to a team with the already established running back, like he could be a every down back in a way, but all those carries going into you know the pros aren't good. He, he kind of his kind of comp for college and the amount of carries he got was kind of Le'Veon Bell. That was a knock on him uh going in. Chuba Hubbard as well. Yeah, a, a ton of carries, but Kenneth Walker is number one for me for sure. A person I will add up a little bit. I don't know, it's not biased, but I think James Cook for the way uh, I was about to say he, that people have two back systems. He'll be used really well as like a Zeke and Tony Pollard type guy, like the second down back. They'll catch a couple swing routes. He can run in between the tackles if needed, but you know he's that change of pace back you need. And um, Isaiah Spiller, I like him as well. I don't know if that's more of Texas AM's run scheme because Jimbo's always been good at his own run scheme and stuff like that. So I don't know if he's more of a product of the system or not, but. My top three guys, I would say, are uh, Kenneth Walker. I like Charbonnet because, you know, he struggled. His first year at Michigan was good, mm-hmm. uh, then transferred to UCLA, and he was okay. But Kenneth Walker, just his development over the years, I, I, I've seen a lot of growth. You know, his first year at uh, Wake Forest, he didn't get a lot of carries. He had he had 500 yards in 13 games, and then the next year, in half of that, he had the same amount of yards and then took off when he transferred. So he's just been trending upwards, you know, on a daily basis. But uh I I'm I like all his rankings, honestly. I was gonna say Brian Robinson, but nah, not not really yeah. as a uh, I I'm I don't know. The jury's still out. He's been at Bama for a long time. I know he had to sit up behind a lot of great backs, but I don't know if he can be that, you know, that every down back in the NFL.
1: Mo I think asked me earlier.
2: Doubt. I think he'll get the benefit of the doubt. That's yeah. one thing I think he'll
0: get. He might be drafted higher than you would project. Obviously, not first round. So but I think like when he's sitting on that board and you think he'll still continue to drop, I think it, because of benefit of the doubt of what Alabama running backs do in the NFL, most of them are at the very least semi successful. I mean, you had one like TJ Yeldon uh, who he, he looked like he could have been really good, but he wasn't like he didn't have the, the greatest NFL career or anything. But like those Bama running backs, they translate well to. To the NFL, so I think when somebody's looking at getting him, I think he'll be a steal just because like he's gonna get the benefit out. Like a lot of Bama running backs, whether they were at Bama and transfer Alvin Kamara, but a lot of those guys end up translating well to the NFL because it's like a very similar style of running, like you're used in the NFL. Like the usage at Bama is essentially the same way you get used as a running back. Uh, in the NFL it's not too dynamic pretty like ground and pound in between the tackles not everything's based on you know sweeps and and all the flashy stuff it's really just get the job done get those five six seven yards uh, that we need and give us a second down and short second and seven get us close to that first down get us a third and one third and two so I think his game will translate well but he's not gonna pop for the draft and I think somebody will end up getting lucky to have him he will be a running back by committee guy nobody's bringing him in there uh, to be running back one but go ahead Stu
1: no you asked me earlier some guys who I think could jump into my top five and James Cook was a guy who came to mind and James Cook I think elevated his draft stock I told you this last week Mo I said that when I was writing the article and when I was doing the rankings that by the time they came out my top five would probably change because of the national championship being played and You know, I'm not going to change it right now because they just came out. I'll I'll wait till after the combine and all that stuff. But James Cook is a guy who could mess around and find himself into my top five by the time the combine's over heading into April right before the draft begins. Yeah, he looked well.
0: He looked good against Michigan, looked good against Alabama. Obviously, he broke for that big run uh, that kind of opened up and kind of changed the game. You know, uh, Georgia was losing up to that point. It was like 62. 69.
2: 69.
0: Yeah, so it was it was a huge run, almost got to the end zone, but that kind of that run kind of changed the pace for Georgia and basically was when they when they took the momentum uh and ended up winning the game. So before we get into the 2021 NFL rookie report card, I want to make sure everybody goes to betus.com. Everybody go to BetUS, the new betting sponsor of Off the Ball Network, using promo code Off the Ball in all caps. Uh, to get a 110% sign-up bonus. So you put a $100, they give you a free $110. Uh, we put out betting plays every day. Make sure you go check out our guy Kenneth and his betting article on off offtheballnetwork.substack.com. We put out betting plays. We have the Off The Ball Network betting corner where a lot of us put our locks for the day. Um, I'm not a 100% sure our record. Kenneth has that better than I do. Uh, but, but we've been winning guys some money. We've lost a little bit. You know, that's, that's a part of betting it, uh, life's a gamble, but we also have won. So make sure you go to betus.com to get 110% uh, of your, for a sign up bonus using promo code off the ball and make sure you use that in all caps. So we're going to move on. We're just going to touch on this a little bit. Uh, I want to get into the fun stuff, you know, really talk about where we were right, where we were wrong. Um, guys are looking forward to heading in year two. Uh, you know, this is kind of going to be one of the last fun episodes before we really start film diving and getting into the prospects, but we're going to talk about the senior bowl. Uh, the senior bowl is coming up. Was it five quarterbacks who for, or day one or day two guys. I think all five of these guys will be gone by day two, by the end of, uh, the close of business of the third round, but you got Carson strong, Malik Willis, uh, Sam Howell, Desmond Ritter and Kenny Pickett. And Zappi, uh, Bailey Zappi, who I think is going to be very a very underrated prospect. But I also have somebody who would be a very fair comparison of why you should calm down, why we should calm down on Zappi. But those guys are going to be at the Senior Bowl. Those are pretty much the top quarterbacks uh, going into this draft. So we're going to be able to see everybody outside of Matt Corral. Um, so that's kind of the focus. Stu's quarterback rank has come out next week. We will reveal them on the show, so we'll really take a deep dive into all these quarterbacks, so we're not going to focus on them too, too much. But with those six quarterbacks coming in, uh, Thad, we'll start with you. With those six quarterbacks coming in and any other position groups, just what are your expectations for the senior bowl? I don't look at it as a big-time, like, oh, if this guy plays absolutely amazing, his stock rises, but just of the guys that are entering, like,
2: what are your expectations for this game? uh this entire week i'm in mobile i'm expecting these guys to compete they know what it is i don't think we've ever had a senior bowl where the top five quarterbacks except for matt corral are like all there some are usually juniors or you know yeah. underclassmen and they can't participate so this entire week is just going to be about competing learning the system i know the lions are coaching one team and the jets are coaching the other i think the lions are coaching american if yeah i'm not mistaken. So, you know, getting to get the feel of an offensive playbook in the NFL and just just going out there competing. Yeah, I'm really all I mean, obviously, all eyes are on all positions, but all eyes are going to be on the quarterbacks. All the all the coaches from all the teams that come down there to scout, they're going to be looking at the quarterbacks. Uh, the running back group's not that deep. Most of the guys in Stu's list are not there, except for like James Cook, people uh, named uh, Brian Robinson. And I'm just looking for some guys that break out. Uh, there's a couple of guy, receivers that are not talked about like that that I'm pretty fond of. Uh, Romeo Dubs from Nevada is a pretty solid receiver. And then some you know, under-the-radar guys. Isaiah Likely from Coastal Carolina. Uh, I've watched this film, seen him play for the past couple of years. So just expecting to, mostly for the quarterbacks, them to just go out and compete and put their best tape on film because besides what they did this season in the combine, this is what they're going to be looking at. You know, This is – this is a great opportunity for them to show what they can do in an NFL offense, you know, get used to the verbiage of the offense, get used to the reads, the cadence, everything that, cause it's complete, it's not completely different, but it's, it's definitely a change from college to NFL. So seeing how those guys can adapt and how quickly they can learn and process the system, within a week, within a week, cause you know, at the quarterback position, it's all about processing information. You gotta be one of the smartest dudes on the team. You don't gotta be the smartest in the classroom, but when it's time to think mentally and think very quickly, you know, those are one of the traits. So seeing how they can impress these coaching staffs, I'm the the gents aren't taking the quarterback, but the Lions might be, you know, potentially yeah. taking the quarterback in the early second round. So you know, do what you can to impress these guys and put the best tape on film. Yeah, this could be like you said, like the Lions could be
0: like you could be performing in front of your future coaches, essentially one of these guys who fall. Uh I think majority of these guys will actually get taken in the second round. I don't I'm not fond of really much of these guys being first rounders we know a couple are going to go in the first round just because that's how it goes. Like quarterback's the most valuable position, even with draft draft availability. Like, um, but none of these guys are top 10. Uh, when we finally release like our player or player rankings overall, me and Stu start releasing our big boards. Not a single quarterback is in my top 10. I don't believe any of these guys are top 10 picks. It's not a knock on them. This just isn't one of the stronger quarterback classes, but I think this is a quarterback class that if you get it right, you could have a guy who could be your starter for a long time. I do believe that, but I just don't think they're also not going to come into the NFL with all the hype, like the Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields and Mac Jones. Like, I don't think they're going to come in with that kind of hype. Stu, what are you expecting when you see, when uh, watching the senior bowl, just what is everything uh, going through your mind with the senior bowl?
1: Yeah. I mean, we kind of talked about this a little bit last week, like, I think this could go for every player, but the quarterbacks, especially when you have so many quarterbacks, like I go back to 2018, right? Like the Browns had the number one overall pick and everyone was saying it was Sam Darnold or it was going to be Josh Allen or it was going to be Baker Mayfield as the number one overall pick, right? Obviously no quarterbacks going number one overall, but if you're a team that's looking for a quarterback, you want to see these guys play. Well, the thing is with the senior bowl, These guys are maybe gonna play what a quarter each, a drive each, like just so you can get all of them the reps that they need to go out there. Like you're not gonna get a good taste of what it's like in the Senior Bowl to judge somebody else. So Kenny, a guy like Kenny Pickett could go out here in the first drive, stink up the joint, and that'd be the last thing that fans see and be like, well, he's a bad quarterback. And I would be like, well, it was one drive, NFL like style stuff. Like let's calm down. Like it's one. We don't know the next drive. He could come out there, went you know, 10 of 10 scored a touchdown and worked like the greatest thing since sliced bread. So we don't know just because of how little these reps are going to get. That goes for the running backs, the receivers, the defensive ends, the corners as well. Like these guys are going to be, there's so many people trying to get so much playing time that to judge them off of this as to where they should go in the draft, I think to me is a, a little bit a little bit irresponsible unless somebody kind of like pops because you can't judge them off a of one driver or you know one quarter. And what makes it tough to really evaluate anybody, especially the quarterback
0: position in this senior bowl, is like Dad said: what five of the so- top six prospects, uh, excluding yeah. Matt Corral, are in this senior bowl? So they're all going to be you know what pretty much three on each team. They're all going to get a few, a couple drives at best. Um, depending on how much they run the ball, how much time is coming off the clock. So you're not going to get a real feel. I think everything's going to be like noted in practice. I think the reports, you know, coming out of practice is what you're really paying attention to. Yeah, how impressed these coaches staff, coaching staffs will be with these guys coming out of practice is what everybody's paying attention to. And then you get to put it in a little bit of live action, but you guys know I'm also a film guy. Like, you know, I don't really, this is the pro bowl. Essentially. This is the, the pro bowl for seniors. Like this is, It's not, you know, you're not going to go out there and try and kill the quarterback. They're not going to be under duress like they would be in a game. So there's not much um, to take away. Even if a guy pops, I mean, we see guys pop in preseason. We seen Jordan love have a, have a really amazing game in preseason. They had two appearances, you know, in the regular season and absolutely stunk. So In these, like, not pressure situations, I don't really like to evaluate guys. So I won't take nothing – I won't take much away from any of these quarterbacks. Nobody will really rise and fall. I'll be waiting to hear what comes out in the meeting rooms, you know, what what the reports are and how people feel about them, and then obviously the combine. When you get to see 30, 40 minutes, I'm not huge on the combine because essentially we are watching guys make throws, no pads, no pressure. Yeah. Yeah, playing backyard ball. I mean, Zach Wilson made a throw off his back foot. It ends up in the top five like that's essentially that back foot throw that everybody was impressed with puts him in the top five. Now he's better than Justin Fields because he made that amazing throw. So it's it's I'm give or take in in the combine, but you still see, can they put the ball on the dot? Because if you can't do it with no pressure, there's no way I'm gonna have any type of confidence that you do it with immense pressure with some of the best, you know, uh, pressure applies on the defensive line and the linebackers. No way I'm going to have that type of confidence. So that could mark somebody directly off your big board, essentially, if they don't have a good combine. I mean, we we kill guys off of having bad combines. And then the guys that have great combines, they boost a little bit, but not really much. They don't move the needle a lot. Zach Wilson started getting a lot of buzz uh, late anyway. So now we're going to get into the fun stuff. Uh, this is going to be the lengthy part of the conversation. The 2021 NFL rookie report card. So all three of us, especially uh, with some of the other guys at the network, we covered the draft last year. We did a bunch of mock drafts, talked about the quarterbacks in the draft, uh, you know, couch coach, did his position rankings and had guys from the network on for every position from O-line, D-line and all the skilled positions everywhere else uh, outside of punter and kicker. We evaluated everybody. So we have a lot of where we were right, where we were wrong. Stu was still releasing his uh, position rankings um, last year. So I'm going to start, before we beat our chest, we're going to get a little depressed first. So we're going to start with where we were wrong, and then we'll go with where we were right, and then we'll just overall just kind of, you know, conversate uh, between the rookies and who impressed us the most and things like that. So I'm going to go first with where I was wrong. And it's crazy. I'm going to say Michael Parsons. And the reason why I'm going to say I was wrong on Michael Parsons is because when the Dallas Cowboys, it's not that I wasn't high on him, but I felt like when my Dallas Cowboys were on the board and Michael Parsons was there and they picked him, I wasn't the most fond about the pick. But the two guys that I really wanted were gone and Patrick Sertan and J.C. Horn. And he basically, everybody remembers my reaction. You know They're saying I was off the liquor and I, I couldn't believe it. I wasn't happy. I walked off camera like I was like, I know he's going to be a guy, but I. Nah, it just, it doesn't seem like what we need. We had Jalen Smith and Vander Esch at the time. I'm like, we don't really need a linebacker. We need to fix up that terrible secondary that we had. Um, not knowing that Trayvon Diggs was going to have, you know, a, a pretty good year too. Uh, I, I felt like, you know, you saw it with Anthony Brown. We lost Chido Um, Jordan Lewis was in and out of the lineup. So I still felt like we needed to fix that secondary. And Michael Parsons was nothing less than amazing. Arguable defensive. He's a defensive player of the year candidate. I don't think he'll win defensive player of the year. I think that award will go to TJ Watt. Uh, He'll win defensive rookie of the year by a landslide. It's not even close um, at that point. The guys that I really loved, you know, we'll talk about, but they played really well as well. Uh, JC Horn got hurt. So he was playing well prior to injury. So that was unfortunate for him. But I'm going to say Michael Parsons only because I wasn't the most excited person. And our guy, Jeff, told me that you got a you got a player you are gonna absolutely love him you might not be happy now but you'll absolutely love him Stu, who was the guy that you were just absolutely wrong on
1: you on mute absolutely wrong on i would say caleb farley the uh, corner out of Virginia last year. I had him as my number one corner. I went back and looked at my player rankings. I liked him. He's a big physical guy, had you know a long length, could play very, very well. But the back injury was the question coming into the draft. You know, How would he recover from the back injury? Well, he got drafted by the Titans this year. And let's just be honest, the secondary for the Titans isn't very good. And Kittle Farley was a big reason of that. And he didn't look great. I mean, when you look at other guys like, Patrick Sertan, who looked better than he did. You look at other guys like J.C. Horn, who's looked better than he has. Like, I I look at Kittle Farley and I say, where was I wrong? I I think I fell in love too much with the size and some of the things he showed on film as opposed to what my as opposed to some of the other things that my eyes were telling me. And, you know, I I just missed it on that one. I I fell in love with the frame, the tall frame and the long arms. Yeah,
0: I wasn't. I wanted Caleb Farley when he was there instead of Michael Parsons only because I was so desperate for a corner and my top two corners were gone. So I was desperate for a corner. So I wanted that was essentially who I wanted. But with coming in injury and obviously the way Micah Parsons has played, I'm absolutely glad we didn't make that pick. Uh, I wasn't as in love with Caleb Farley as you were. You know, uh, we actually went back and forth uh, when you released your cornerback rankings. I was JC Horn was number one on mine. I think him and Sertan were 1A, 1B. Anybody who had him one in in, uh, Horn 2, I wasn't mad at. But outside of that, like those were my two guys as far as the secondary position goes. That where were you wrong? What was a guy that either you thought he was going to be great and he was terrible or you're like, hey, this guy is not NFL material. And he actually turned out to be pretty solid, at least through his rookie season.
2: For me, uh, it was Eric Stokes. You know, a lot of us question the pick. For the Packers, I thought that we got a steal and we got the better corner out of Georgia. You know, Tyson Campbell's shown a lot of flashes, so I'm not, I don't know who's exactly better. But I've watched a lot of Packers game this year, and his athleticism and ball skills are one of the things you know that they talked about in the draft why he was drafted so high, and it it showed. You know, he was thrown into fire a little bit. Um, He had a couple rough moments, but he stepped up big uh, opposite you know Jair Alexander, and with Jair Alexander being hurt majority of the year, you know they they depended on their rookie a lot, and he stepped up. I never thought he was bad, but I I just thought that was kind of a reach. They should have gone on the offensive side of the ball, especially what they did in the previous draft. But uh, Eric Stokes showed up big time, and I think that they found their, you know, that they found their long-term corner, their long-term second corner.
0: Yeah, I mean, I remember on draft night when they took Eric Stokes, uh, the network went crazy. We couldn't believe it. We, we, We all had penciled in. I think on every mock draft, we had the Packers taking a wide receiver every mock draft yeah. we did we did about three or four of them we had some type of receiver whether it was Rashad Bateman Terrace Marshall like somebody was going it, I mean it was so we knew it we was so desperate we had like a Mario Rogers go, going to Green Bay like we just knew somebody was going to Green Bay in the first round as a wide receiver um so yeah I definitely say I, I whiffed on that too uh my reaction and he played really well alongside Jair Alexander we'll see in the playoffs. Uh, he's going to be able to play top-notch competition, so he might be able to put a stamp on all of us that laugh. So now we're going to move to where we were right. Um, I, 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 When I thought about saying where we were right, I'm like, bro, if you really think about it, and I don't want to beat on everybody's chest, but I'm like, we were right about a lot of people. Like We said some things about a lot of prospects last year that really turned out to be like, man, these guys actually know what they're talking about, from Jamar Chase, Peenie Sewell. Um, even the quarterbacks, I know like everybody was all in on Trevor Lawrence, but like he had flashes. You can't deep everything he went through. I can't knock him and be like, yeah, he's absolutely terrible.
1: 11, 11 week 18. Sorry. The yeah. And, then, off the and game.
0: then the way he came out in week 18 was like, see, this is the Trevor Lawrence that everybody fell in love with. Hopefully he was able to close out the season and, and kind of build some momentum going into the off season. We know he's a baller, but I'm a, with me where I was right. I'm Jamar chase, uh, you know, I said I felt like Jamar Chase was one of the few guys that was ready to start right now in the NFL and have an impact. Uh, a lot of guys did have an impact. I'm sure somebody else is right on, on one of the other guys, but Jamar Chase, I mean, let's be honest. Like, he's a huge part in why the Cincinnati Bengals are in the playoffs. Like, he his performance actually won them a couple of games this year. He had, you know what, what, he had two games, one game over 200 couple games right under 200, multiple 100-yard receiving games. Like, he's the offensive rookie of year. He outdid his counterpart, who he was better than in college, in Justin Jefferson, and he kind of put a stamp on that. People hesitated from jumping on, like, really falling in love with Jamar Chase because he sat out, you know, that year. But that, that's the one I got to beat my chest on is I, I got to say Jamar Chase. Um, I Me saying that he's going to be – he is the best offensive player in the draft, I felt like he was the best ready to go, but at the same time, you know – Dad brought some light that Kyle Pitts has something to say about that. And we'll see in a couple years. Uh, But I think even with Jamar Chase, he benefited going with Joe Burrow, a guy that he already had chemistry with, knew very well. And it looked bad. Like I was looking bad in the preseason. Jamar Chase couldn't catch the ball. He had that interview where he said something about the laces Uh, is the reason why he's not able to catch passes. And so it's like, oh, man. Jamar Chase is going to end up being a bust off of preseason. I mean, how many times did we hear? I had to hear it about how high I was on Jamar Chase and him not being able to get the job done in the preseason and then look like he ended up being better, having a better rookie season than his counterpart who had a great rookie season at wide receiver uh, last year. So, Stu,
1: who is somebody that you were absolutely right on? I mean, I could go with Trevor Lawrence. I could go with Jamar Chase. I could go with Panay Sewell, Kyle Pitts. And heck, I could even go with Micah Parsons. Um, but I'm gonna go with Jalen Phillips, but I'm gonna go back to Micah Parsons here in a minute. I listen, I think Micah Parsons, I, I'm gonna touch on Micah Parsons. No, Micah Parsons is the guy I'll go with. I'll go with him because here's what I said when he came out I had Jeff on the show, I talked about it. Micah Parsons to me was the Isaiah Simmons of this draft. I loved Isaiah Simmons, I thought Isaiah Simmons simmons could transform the linebacker position because he was a swiss army knife he could do it all he was a linebacker a safety or whatever now michael parsons isn't playing it you're not going to put him back there at safety it just isn't going to happen not in the nfl but michael parsons can rush the passer he can stop the run like he can do whatever you need you want to play edge he'll play edge you want him to play linebacker he'll play linebacker heck if he may even play defensive tackle, depending, you know, he beefs up a little bit. Who knows? But what I'm saying is, I loved Micah Parsons so much. And usually, when I'm so high on the guy, or we're so high on the guy, it doesn't really work out that well. But he's been the superstar that I thought Micah Parsons was going to be.
0: Yeah, he really has. And it's almost like I'm not going to say you're going to put him at a full time safety, but we've seen him drop back in coverage. And it anybody who fell in love with Micah Parsons remembers in week one that one play. That yep. one play that everybody talked about, where he got turned around in coverage by Tom Brady, and they they essentially threw it uh, to Rob Gronkowski up the middle. He got turned around in coverage, and everybody's like, "This is the guy that everybody told us was great." In week one, I, I remember that you know he was getting killed on Twitter. The 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 that play uh, specifically went viral, and then since then he's been an absolute monster. You've seen him drop back in coverage, obviously as a linebacker. But I mean, with his, with as athletic as he is, with as athletic as some of these guys are, they really can play everywhere except probably corner. Guys that are linebackers can play DN, probably a little bit of safety, but like that Jamal Adams style safety where you drop him back in coverage here and there, but you're mainly you want him to get, uh, you want him to attack the quarterback. But yeah, I mean, Michael
1: Parsons has been, bro, he's been absolutely amazing. I mean, and let ref- me say this real quick before Thad goes. Uh, just because I think I know who Thad's going to go with, and he better go with who I think he's going to go with because he hit the nail right on the head. So that leads us into that.
2: Who were you absolutely right about? Oh, no, nah, I'm completely what, – what Stu's talking about, that's not who I'm going with. I'm oh. going to go with Kyle Pitts. Uh, oh, man. Pretty much everybody was fond of him, but just watching him play at Florida and, you know – Walking into Fal- Falcons organization, it's kind of, you know, they're they're in the rebuilding stage. Uh for him to lose Calvin Ridley midway through the season and to still have over a thousand yards. Uh, he's seeing he's being double covered by safeties, linebackers doing all this. Uh, what the... Matt Ryan is solid, but he's you know, he's older. And for him to have the production he had uh, in his rookie season, I, I think he proved everybody right. You know, he's an athletic, he's a matchup nightmare. He's somebody that you cannot put any type of linebacker on. If you hit, if you put any type of linebacker that runs less than a four-seven, or that doesn't have any type of ball skills or cover skills, he's going to expose them. You know, his routes could be a little better. Some people are like, why does he look a little slow? Why does his routes look a little choppy? He's a tight end. Like, he's not just strictly receiver. You have to understand that. But um, over time, you know, when he gets – Calvin Ridley looks like he's leaving. When they get another receiver on the other side of them, they can draw some coverage away, you know, so he's not double and triple team. Watch for him to take off. But what he did – playing with Russell Gage on the other side of him and Cordell Patterson and having the older Matt Ryan, uh, you know, kudos to him. And he had a very, very bright future. Like Travis Kelsey said a couple of weeks ago, he's probably going to break every record, um, every tight end record out there. I know that's a lot to say, but he's a nightmare. I, I see him as a hundred catch, a thousand yard guy for at least six or seven times in his career.
0: Yeah, and when the top dollar, you know, tight end says that, Like guys don't typically I know we're in like a friendlier time of of professional sports, but guys that that are top at their position don't deem the next guy up that like he's probably going to break every record because then that means he's going to break any record that you broke and and guys don't typically like to give these young guys that type of credit. So to hear that from Travis Kelsey, who's easily a Hall of Fame uh, tight end is that's big praise. And then he had got a lot of praise from Shannon Sharp, who, you know, and even Tony Gonzalez has spoke on Kyle Pitts. Uh, throughout the year, and they've given them high praise. And those are Hall of Fame tight ends, two of the greatest tight ends to ever do it. So when you get when you get that kind of backing from guys who are either A, going to the Hall of Fame or B, already in the Hall of Fame, and in that greatest tight end discussion, uh, you, know you, you know you've you you know popped somewhere. Because essentially, that's basically, you know, that that's an adm- admiration from guys who've already done it at the elite of elite levels. And they see him, like, he might do it at a greater level than we've done. You could bring up why, you know, it's a pass-heavy league, Um, He's more of a receiver than tight end because he's not the greatest blocker. But that's also the type of style of football we play, too. So you can't knock him for not playing in the 80s where tight ends were strictly blockers or playing in the 90s and early 2000s where Shannon Sharp kind of changed the position. Tony Gonzalez and Antonio Gates, they kind of changed the positions. Even you take it back, like Algie Crumpler, like guys like that, they could block, but they're really good pass catchers. Like they... Are the reason a Kyle Pitts exists. They're the reason a Travis Kelsey exists. So they changed the position. So you can't knock them for what you did for the position. That's just me. So we'll we'll go through, we'll kind of talk some position groups. Um, we'll give them like report we'll do like a report card style. So we're gonna talk about the quarterbacks first. Um, if we had to grade the quarterbacks, we had to put a grade on all the quarterbacks, and then one guy, give me one guy that stood out to you and one guy that you're highly concerned on. Dad, I'll start with you. Overall, the rookie quarterbacks, you put a grade on them. How do you feel?
1: Here's your chance, Dad. Toot your horn. Toot your horn, Dad.
2: I don't I really don't. You have to tell me who you're talking about. I think Davis he, Mills, you hit okay, the nail right okay. on the head. You said All he right. was you said he was a
1: starting quarterback in this league. I, I. on my show. And I I thought you were kind of crazy on that one. And he's been great. I mean, he's been better. So far this season, the guys like Justin Fields, Trey Lance, and Trevor Lawrence. I mean, let's be honest. Like, you hit the nail on the head, so this is your time to toot your horn.
2: Uh Grade? I got to be a little harsh because even with – Trevor Lawrence is my guy, but there were rough patches. Justin Fields, there was definitely rough patches at the beginning. He turned it up towards the end. So, I'm going to go – since they're young and, you know, quarterbacks take time to develop, I'm going to go C plus, C plus, you know, uh there were some bright spots, some low spots. You know, the jury's still out on Trey Lance, but we saw bright spots even from Zach Wilson. Like the the thing with me is just in year one, especially in these bad spots, it's just about you know growth and just getting better as the year goes on. And I think we saw that from all the quarterbacks. Justin Fields in his first start, I know the play caller wasn't that good, but versus like Cleveland and Tampa, he looked a little lost out there at, at times. Trevor Lawrence had his bad days where he was waiting for guys to come open. Trey Lance has to worry about you know touch stuff like that. Uh, every ball doesn't have to be a fastball. Uh, he played a little bit sped up as well. Mac Jones came in smooth, but he, you know, there were some spots here and there. Davis Mills even had some rough spots because they went back to Tyrod, but just over the course of the year, all these guys got better and they showed a lot of, you know, potential. Now, I, we don't know if all of them are going to be long-term starters, going to get that second contract, but they showed a lot. I, I think these guys have showed a lot of promise. I don't think anybody out of this group, out of the top, Top six, we can say is a complete bust yet, you know, or anything like that. So, um I think they were solid. That, that that's my grade for the rookie quarterback, C plus. I'm gonna go with C plus.
0: So Stu, um, what what was your if you get if you put a grade on it, what do you what are you giving the quarterbacks this year?
2: I'm gonna give them a C.
1: I think overall, Lawrence. It took him 18 weeks. Listen, this is a guy who I'm guilty of it. I I'll, I'm guilty of it. Who a guy that we build as an the greatest NFL prospects in Andrew Luck at the quarterback position. And for a lot of the season, he didn't really look like it, to be honest with you. He didn't. And there were times where I was like, Gee, okay, this, like, this is going to be a long, long time before we see the guy that we thought we were going to see. He he pulled it out week 18, went 11-11, maybe even 12-12 before he threw his first incompletion. Um, I think he looked good versus Cincinnati as well. That was his best game before the Colts game. I felt like it was a Cincinnati game. He played pretty well. Justin Fields was the guy who I, you know, when I had that on my show last year, I talked about it. Justin Fields is a guy who I felt like needed to sit a full year. I, I love Justin Fields. I think he's going to be a superstar in this league. I really do. But I felt like just because of, just some of the things I had seen in college. I felt like he needed to take one year, do the Patrick Mahomes route, sit behind a veteran quarterback, but the Bears and Matt Nagy felt the pressure and they had to rush him in. Trey Lance, I was very disappointed in. And Trey Lance, this could all get very interesting with what happens this weekend with Trey Lance. I know this is not a, a breakdown of Trey Lance, but if Jimmy G wins off, pulls off a win here, right? Let's say he actually plays well, and then Jimmy G actually plays well versus Green Bay, and he finds a way to get two wins, and he goes to the NFC Championship game. We're all of a sudden talking about Trey Lance potentially being traded because this is a guy who, has, like that said, has shown flashes, but I think passing-wise has left much, much, much to be desired as far as what we can expect on him dropping back 30, 40 times to throw the football like you expect out of an NFL quarterback. Mac Jones, I was wrong on. He's the most pro ready quarterback in this draft class, I felt like. And I missed the mark on Mac Jones. Do I think I think Mac Jones is a win now type of guy? Do I think he's going to be a guy for the decade? We'll see. Um, you know, the arm strength, the way the, the, the league's kind of trending, we'll see. Zach Wilson. I I want to say I was right on that one too. I don't think it fixed their situation. He's obviously a better quarterback than Sam Darnold but they're still at the top half of the draft. He's shown some flashes. He's shown the ability as to why a lot of people fell in love with him. But yeah, I see I, overall, there's a lot of work between these quarterbacks, but a lot of positive as well.
0: Yeah. I'm with you Stu. I give him a C um, and to bring up the Trey Lance situation. I mean, so th- for what the first half of the season, I mean, essentially it was like an F like a, yeah. don't, none of them were looking great. I mean, even Trevor Trevor Lawrence. Now, granted, he was in a bad situation. But outside of Mac Jones, like, Mac Jones was the only light shed on these rookie quarterbacks. And it was essentially, I'm still, I, I don't want to come off as a Mac Jones hater, but I'm still not sold that he's going to be the best quarterback. I'm not even sold that he's the most pro-ready. He just went to the system that was going to make any one of these guys the most pro-ready quarterback. Outside of, like, Zach Wilson, I think Justin Fields, plays just as well in New England I feel like Trevor Lawrence that would have been a dream for Trevor Lawrence to link with Josh McDaniels and Bill Belichick to have a great defense and a great run game and a solid organization a solid foundation to play with through his rookie year I'm sure that would be a dream I'm sure he wished, like man I wish my stock could have fell and I fell into New England's lap like that was an ideal situation even with Trey Lance going to San Francisco and here's where I think if I look at these guys going into year two I think Trey Lance has the most pressure because what we're possibly going to see, what we're going to see, I think what we're going to see is Trey Lance is going to take the keys to an organization that was just a playoff team with Jimmy Garoppolo. And so now it's going to be all on him and it's all going to be, it's Kyle Shanahan and Trey Lance are going to go into next season. I think with the most pressure, especially if we just keep it with these rookie quarterbacks because through year two, Trevor Lawrence, new coach, Justin Fields going to have a new coach, um, Zach Wilson is still going to be on the Jets. Mac Jones, not too much pressure. I mean, depending on if they win this playoff game, he'll be expected to re- improve upon how he played this year and kind of repeat, take the Patriots to the playoffs. So the playoffs will be – I think those two quarterbacks will have the most pressure, though, because there's going to be some still. We just want to see Trevor Lawrence improve and show us gr- – Flashes of greatness. We want Justin Fields to, if he gets the right head coach, to just show us those flashes of greatness so that when they're going into year three, we can really determine if those are our guys because we felt like those were the top two quarterbacks in the draft. Where Trey Lance is going to literally be taking the keys to a playoff team. If they are not winning games, that is going to look like a bad draft pick because, one, you had Jimmy Garoppolo when you made that draft pick. You traded up. You lost some draft capital essentially to get – Trey Lance, and you could have got one of these other top guys at another position. You could have got Jamar Chase. You could have got Kyle Pitts. You could have got Peeney Sewell and put him at right tackle and have Trent Williams at left tackle. You, you, I mean, at twelve, you could have got Najee Harris. Like if we went, you could have stayed at twelve. You could have got Najee Harris. There's so many things that they could have done to to essentially improve that team and make them have a, a, a better chance of a run at a Super Bowl, but you went Trey Lance because that was Kyle Shanahan's guy. So that's what I'm worried about with Trey Lance next year is he hasn't had the reps that Fields, Lawrence, Wilson, or Mac Jones have had, and he's going to have the pressure that Wilson, Lawrence, and Fields for sure, and even Davis Mills won't have as opposed to he's going to have all that because he is taking over a playoff roster, and anything short of that is going to put him – you know, is going to put him in a certain situation in an outlook, and it's also going to put Kyle Shanahan in an outlook. When they look back, and be like, a year ago, look at all the guys you passed up on when Michael Parsons is playing absolutely amazing again. Jamar Chase expected to have another big season in year two. Kyle Pitts expected to improve on his big year one. Uh, Penny Sewell expected to continue to protect his quarterback, Jared Goff, so he's going to do a great job at that moving from right tackle to left tackle, going up against some of the top pass rushers and doing a really good job. There's, you know, there's tape of him not backing down from Aaron Donald. So I think as all these other guys that hit Patrick Sertan, when their secondary is, is that great is going to have a buildup on his year too. I think JC Horn is going to come back from injury and play absolutely amazing. Like there were a lot of guys in this draft that through their first year have actually played really well and are living up to expectations I don't really think we have a bust yet. Like, cause Caleb Farley, I guess he could be leaning that route, but at the same time, like he also did get hurt in the season. So there's a point in time where he was hurt for a few weeks. So I don't really know if as a first round pick, we've had a bust yet. Like a clear cut. Typically, we have somebody we're ready to throw bust on. I don't think we've had that yet. This is actually through a rookie perspective, this has been an absolutely amazing rookie class. And I think Trey Lance will be looked at
2: that. Go ahead, that. Oh, uh, one thing I wanted to add to that. The busting and the Trey Lance thing really quick. The only person I will say, because I have some friends that are Raider fan, Raider fans, yeah. they really can't stand uh, Alex Leatherwood. I know there was a reach when they yeah. picked him because he was a second round grade for most people, and they took him like top twenty, I think, or right yeah. at twenty. So that and as well for San Fran, it's just a tough, you know, situation. Like Stu says, or oh, uh, Mo said, if you know, if they go out there and win two playoff games it's going to be a lot of pressure on Kyle Shanahan and Trey Lance, but it's like, they have to stick with it. They gave up two first round picks for it. So it's not, you can't trade, you can't trade them anytime. So you have to see if it works. So but here's also the, the thing.
1: Spot. Here's also the thing too. And um uh, it's going to be very interesting to see with all these coaching changes, David Coley out do If Houston happens to land to Brian Flores, they may keep Deshaun Watson. So then does a Deshaun or does a Davis Mills, who played really well and show flashes, go to another team like I don't know, like name a team that that needs a court, a Pittsburgh that's a playoff team and that's a amazing. really well run organization? Does he go there? But here's the thing too, Minnesota, we've heard rumors of them moving out of Kirk Cousins. I think it'd be a mistake after the way he's played, but. If they do and they go with Kellen Mond, who they took in the third round, and Kellen Mond comes out and plays better than Trey Lance, now all of a sudden the the conversations we're having are you have a guy who was drafted in the third round by the name of Davis Mills and a guy drafted in the third round by the guy, name of Kellen Mond who's playing better than a Trey Lance. Those are the questions we are going to see unfold here in the offseason and next season depending on what happens with these coaching moves and these quarterback moves.
0: Yeah, and I think the 49ers, I mean, they put themselves in this position where they're going to have the most pressure for their rookie to hit in year two. Like, if they made the playoffs with Jimmy G. He was hurt a couple games. Uh, I get that, Trey Lance. He's shown where, like, but even still, like, against Houston, they, they this late, he hasn't had enough playing time where you really want to unleash Trey Lance, but even against Houston, like, from a betting perspective, I took Houston to cover for the simple fact, I'm like, they're not going to unleash some crazy offense. They're going to protect Trey Lance from looking bad, and they're not going to put him in a spot to, to open up the offense and have a great offensive day because if he fails, the question's raised, and they're a potential playoff team. So you don't want those questions kind of being raised, that kind of talk being around your organization when you're shooting for the playoffs. And now they've made the playoffs. So essentially, he is outside of Mac Jones, who will be in year two with the playoff team. Trey Lance will be taking over a playoff team and everything will be. If you're the upgrade that Kyle Shanahan said you were over Jimmy G, then going into next year, we should have a shot at being a very competitive team in the NFC and not just playoffs, not being the seven seed. Like we should be able to have a shot at winning our division. We should have a shot at being deemed contender at some point. And the only pushback I will say you brought up Kellerman. I think, If we're going to consider a third round of bust, he's got to be close to it because Sean Minion got put in as the starter instead of Kellen Mond. And I think all of us thought like this was going to be Kellen's Mond time. Even Ian Book in in a position. Now, granted, you know, he wasn't put in right when Jameis Winston got hurt, but they did have Taysom Hill and they did have Trevor Simeon, guys who have played starting quarterback. You know, Trevor Simeon, I guess, he had a little bit of success. He wasn't just absolutely all bad. He, he had a couple good games on his resume to where, like, okay, instead of throwing our rookie out there when we're chasing the playoffs, but even when they put Ian Book in, he played absolutely horrible, but he did play on against a defense that was rolling at the time. All the banged-up injuries that, that the Saints had at that time, especially offensively, wasn't really expectations for him to be highly successful. But with yeah. Kellen Lund not getting the call when you thought his number would get called, I think that was that's a big outlook on Kellen Mond, but like if he never pans out to be anything, nobody cares. He's yeah, a third he's round. Third round and I had
1: him as my quarterback seven, don't get me wrong. But I do think I do think this is something interesting because it does the question becomes was it Kellen Mond or was it Mike Zimmer? Because some of the things we heard Mike Zimmer say in the press conference and just the way like we're hearing rumors now that you know Justin Jefferson didn't really like Mike Zimmer. So the question becomes you know, like was it necessarily Kellen Mond or is Mike Zimmer not a player's coach and, and not really got that locker room you know, where he needs it to be? We'll find out. Like I said, we're going to find out with these new coaching hires and what the decisions they make with Kirk Cousins. I don't think you should move off Kirk Cousins. That's just me, but um, that's a different conversation for a different time. But if they do happen to go with Kellen Mond and Mond does ball out and he is the guy that Chris Sims said he was going to be, who he had above Trey Lance and Justin Fields, Like, if that's the guy that he winds up balling out over Trey Lance, the 49ers have a lot of questions to answer, especially when all we heard leading up to that week was they traded up to get the third pick to get Mac Jones. And Mac Jones has played better so far than the guy that you actually drafted. Yeah, so
0: we'll move off of quarterbacks. We'll just do one more uh, position group. And I kind of want to shed light on this position group because I think as a whole, as rookies, I think they played really well. You might not know where I'm going, Dad. I might I might throw you off because I'm gonna move to the other side of the ball. Oh yeah, you throw me off. You
2: throw
0: me off. Oh, okay, I'm gonna go corners. I, I want to talk about the corners. I think overall, I think they've played really well. I mean, like you said, we saw flashes from Tyson Campbell. We we shot we uh, Eric Stokes played really well. Patrick Sertan has played really well. J.C. Horn was playing really well, playing top-notch defense. Uh, you know, prior to injury. So it's unfortunate that he got hurt. So for me, if I was to give the corners uh, a grade, I would give them an A minus, and that might be very high. But I think you have three long term three. You have four to five long term corners in this draft, off of the based off of their rookie performance. Like J.C. Horn, I expect to come back from injury and play really well. Pick back, pick back up where he left off. Patrick Sertan is. I don't know. He might be a better version of his father. And his father was a pretty darn good corner uh, in his time in Miami. Uh, I think Caleb Farley, will actually, I think he'll turn it around. He's fine. I think even with injury, I think he'll be okay. He may not be one of the best out of these guys. Might not be, you know, a lot of guys had him as cornerback one. He may not be that, but I think he'll add on this list of, like, when we look back at these DBs 10 years from now, I think this will be an elite DB class.
2: Uh, that what do you think about the the corners this year? I wouldn't say A, but I'm not gonna go too further down. I'm gonna give him a, a straight up B, not B plus or B minus, a B. You know, a lot of guys thrown into the fire. I mean, J.C. Horn and Patrick Sertan, we knew they were gonna start, but in Jacksonville, you had Tyson Campbell behind uh, Keen Griffin and C.J. Henderson, and you know, he started off very rough. Like there's sometimes I'd be like, man, like how did he do make it this far with these, you know, lack of ball skills? But he came on towards the end of the season, had a couple of picks, had the second most. Uh, pass breakups as a DB. So, you know, this overall as a whole, this group was good. Uh, Patrick Sartan, like you say, he had a couple pick sixes, uh, one in the preseason, one off Justin Herbert. J.C. Horn was looking fine before he went down with the foot injury. Uh, who else we got? Eric Stokes played very, very well, looking like a, you know, cornerback one. Uh, it was just, you know, Sante Samuel Jr., he was hurt, but he had some flashes during the season. Just overall, the group as a whole, you know. They showed up to play. Some guys, young guys, weren't expected to play. But when they got their opportunity, you know, they balled out. And some guys didn't. I don't know what Kelvin Joseph really did for you guys this year. I know he was a second-round pick.
0: Not that much. He's been hurt, too, on top of that. He's played late. He's played as of late. Played decent. Like, he showed flashes. But he also has been hurt. So I'm not going to kill him. Uh, I liked him when we picked him up. I'm like, you know, I knew what he was at LSU. Obviously, it got in trouble. I liked him coming out of Kentucky. Uh, I'm not going to kill him for the simple fact he wasn't brought in to be the starting corner either. We had Anthony Brown, Jordan Lewis, and Trayvon Diggs. Those were our set corners. I mean, I was – with him being hurt and then coming back from injury and having COVID was probably the main reason why he didn't ultimately take over for Anthony Brown because that was the guy who played bad enough for him to step in. But, I mean, like I said, I was very impressed with these corners. Stu, if you was to give him a grade, what would you give him?
1: I'll go with that. I'm going to give him a B. I mean, let's just talk like I had Eric Stokes as my cornerback five below guys like, you know, Caleb Williams, you know, some guys that we've mentioned before, and I had him as a cornerback five and I have a below Sante Samuel. He's played better than I had him below Caleb Farley. That's who Caleb Farley is who I meant to say. I don't know why I butchered his name, but Caleb Farley and like he played better than him. And here's the thing. Even with Campbell over there in Jacksonville, I think Campbell kind of got started thrown to the wolves like Dad said with the C.J. Henderson trade for for Dan Arnold, which I think is insane. But anyways, that's beside the point because I loved Henderson. I think that defense for Jacksonville is very talented. But when you look at this team and Caleb Farley, who I was a big fan of, loved Caleb Farley. Sertan's been the best corner next to JC Horn in this draft. So you could go 1A, 1B. If, Mo, you want to say you were right, you were right. If someone wants to say they were right about Patrick Sertan, they were right because, you know, you can argue 1A, 1B, like you said earlier. I I do agree with you with Kittle Farley. I don't think he'll ever take that leap into being the the guy. Like, I think my pro comp for him was a Richard Sherman. I don't think he'll ever be a Richard Sherman type of guy. He'll ever be that elite lockdown corner. But I do think he'll be a guy who can carve out a seven, eight year career, maybe playing for multiple different teams.
0: Yeah, I think I think he'll be good. So before we close up, I want to know that where did you think I was going? I
2: thought you were going to say receivers. The receivers were they they all? They all. We'll we'll, we'll touch on the receivers before we go. Then what about running
1: backs too? Because let's talk about some deep guys running like Javante Williams, Michael Carter, like those guys as well.
0: Yeah, they, like, they they did play really well. I just was trying to like not hit every position. Yeah, for I got gotcha. you. So we will talk about receivers because I felt like I when I said that, I was like, when Thad thought that's where I was going, I was like, he probably thinks I'm going wide receivers. Especially what Jamar Chase. I mean, Jamar Chase well, I mean, lines really? that wide receiver group. Even Terrace Marshall had a couple flashes, but I mean it was terrible quarterback play as well. Like early on in the season, though, when he played, like in, in the Panthers were looking pretty decent through the first five games. Like you're like, okay, Terrace Marshall. Rashad Bateman, when he came back from injury, had some impact on that offense, uh, all the way up until Lamar Jackson got hurt. If I'm i am I'ma give the receivers. I'm going to do it. I love the receivers of this draft. I love them coming out in the first place. I don't think there were too many failures at the wide receiver position, essentially, based on expectation of where they were drafted in performance. I don't think anybody essentially underperformed. I'm giving receivers an A+. This was the best group in the draft, and that's why I'm going to give them an A+. This was overall the best group in the draft. Everybody, when their number got called, they answered. Obviously, we could knock Terrence Marshall a little bit, but he just had bad quarterback play. Like when he, when Sam Darnold was up the first five to six weeks, he was playing really well as wide receiver three, complimenting. He was getting more touches than Robbie Anderson. It was D.J. Moore and Terrence Marshall. Obviously, Jamar Chase is like the elite of the elite. We're not going to throw Kyle Pitts in there because he is a registered tight end, but he the way he plays, he's a wide receiver too. So I give him his credit uh, with, with him. Devonte Smith. Play, played amazing, you know, had the best rookie year as a wide receiver for Philly. And we could say with not the greatest quarterback, I mean, I think he's an average quarterback. I think Jalen Hurts played really well. But, yeah, I got to give them an A+. This was the best position group uh, in the draft. So, Thad, what would you give them uh, before we go? I can't be too nice. I know they're
2: rookies and they I'm just got nice. thrown in. I'm going to be nice. They played amazing. Yeah, I got to take the plus away. That's it. But I got to give them an A. Like, literally the first six receivers that were taken in the draft all hit Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddle, Devontae Smith. When Tony was healthy, he was a difference maker for the Giants. Rashad Bateman, Elijah Moore, and who's the last one I'm missing? Um, oh man. Uh Rondell Moore for the Cardinals. He had a lot of a lot yes. of great games. Like they all the receivers made plays. I, I really can't think of any receivers that were just straight up busts. You know, Estridge was okay for Seattle. He he might get a little better. Um Tutu Atwell for the Rams was okay. They need a, they didn't play him, so I don't know what that means. That he might be the only bust out of the group, but there's potential there because he's a big play waiting to happen. But and all he's these a special guys, special teams guy, yeah, all special teams. So you say special teams guy strictly?
0: Uh, no, I just he was fine in the special teams being yeah. a returner and punt returner. So I will give him his credit there. That being a rookie playing, how to utilize his strengths? Yeah, Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, and then Robert Woods goes down. You bring in Odell Beckham. You got Dan Jefferson. It's yes, not a lot of there's so, not a there's only one football to go around. So yeah, so they you know. they put him in his speed and they put him in, in special teams. So I don't think he'll just be a special teams guy, but he was able to figure out his niche and be used for the Rams this year and be effective. So I, I gotta give him his credit there for at least being a rookie and being effective.
2: And like really quick before you go through, I just can't like can was there a season where you know you had Jamar Chase, he's where you have rookie guys pretty not dominating the league, but already setting the tone for who they are. Jamar Chase was top five in receiving. Jalen Waddle had a hundred catches. Uh, Devontae uh, Smith broke Deshaun uh, Jackson's rookie record. I can just keep going on and on. Rashad Bateman, like you said, when Lamar came out and Tyler Huntley went in, he doesn't really you know, look his way as much. But when Lamar was in, he was looking like not a solidified first round pick, but oh, this guy can play. Like He's going to be a staple in the offense. So uh, shout out to the rookie receivers. That's probably the highest grade I'll give, though. You know, eight. All those guys balled out, uh, and everybody looked so far. You know, lived up to the pick. And I had some questions about, you know, Jalen Waddle's a really, really fast guy. That injury looked kind of bad, and how he was going to recover. But um, he looks the part for sure. And I had
0: questions. I just had questions about Jalen Waddle being in Miami with Tua. Like that was my where and he found a way. Yeah, but where he went was my like cause for concern because I'm like, man, his strength is stretching the ball down the field, like. And I compare him. I was like, he's he's what we look at Tyreek Hill as, but that's going to be him his rookie year. Like I, I felt like he was going to have that impact his rookie year, and he was able to do it with well, a guy who couldn't stretch the ball down the field, two three yard passes and make plays by yourself, and that's basically what he did. So yeah, this rookie group was absolutely amazing. So before we go, Stu, uh, what, what would you give the uh, wide receivers?
1: I give him an A. I'll go with Thad. I mean, I think Jalen Waddle. you get the right quarterback in there. Uh, Deshaun Watson, maybe, whoever. Jimmy G, depending on how this offseason goes down there in Miami. This kid's going to be an absolute superstar. Like, we're talking about, you know, Devontae Smith, and we're talking about Jamar Chase. But I think a guy who could have a fantastic second year and really take that leap into being like, maybe he should have gone before Smith is Jalen Waddle because you get the right guy in there at quarterback and this kid's going to be a superstar. I loved what I saw from Jalen Waddle. He's a baller. You talked about Tony. You talked about Bateman, Terrence Marshall at times as well. Like this group all, all, all the way down. Like, I don't know the last time we've had a wide receiver group all the way down the ranks that were really, really good. I mean, the year before we had like CD lamb and Justin Jefferson and Jerry Judy and all these guys, like, you have all those guys, but this deep, I don't think you have. We've ever had a class this deep. And, yeah, Anae.
0: Yeah, easily. I mean, this was this was a great group. It was the strongest group. Uh, so before we close out, uh, Thad, go ahead and tell everybody where they can follow you and, and where they can check out all your projects.
2: You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at what the game means to me. Me and Jelani will have a show uh coming to you guys tomorrow, especially with the NFL playoffs kicking up. We're gonna make sure, you know, to get a show in because this is the year where I do not know who's gonna win. You know, we have our favorites, but it could go either way. So uh you can follow us there and uh looking to come to you guys when the NFL season's over with some draft content and a little bit of NBA talk. So you know, stay tuned.
0: Yeah, y'all make sure y'all go follow what the game means to me. Stu, where can they find you?
1: Uh, at stupock Five, at Stu Morning, and at the Draft Capital NFL, you know that represents a show. Uh, I have a show coming out. It's supposed to be today. It'll probably be tomorrow. Um, the Morning Brew with Stu, obviously, uh, it'll come out. Uh, have an episode. I do play-by-play broadcasting for those of you who don't know. So I had a chance to talk with a with another fellow broadcaster. We kind of talk shop. Uh, it's a very interesting show. People talk about passion projects. That was one of them. That was one of, you know, just to be able to talk shop and be able to talk broadcasting was a fun one. Um, I'll have the quarterback rankings out, you know, next week live on the show. Uh we're, I'm not going to release them before the show like I did with the running backs. The quarterbacks, because that's the main event, that's the caviar. That's what we're all here for, right? The quarterbacks, they'll be released live on the show next week.
2: Yeah,
0: I mean, I'm definitely looking forward to that. Um, You can follow me at Mo underscore Cheese 15 on Twitter, Instagram. Make sure you follow uh, at draft capital NFL, uh, on Twitter as well. Um, we go live on draft capital Twitter and then go subscribe to, uh, draft capital Um, all the stu's rankings and articles will be on there. We'll start doing our big boards. All our shows will be on there as well. Uh, to listen to the audio version, make sure you subscribe on Spotify and on Apple. Uh, we're, we're on both. So yeah, make sure you go check that out. Um, Cause you know, this is going to be a weekly thing. Eventually probably we'll start doing twice a week. If, if we can, if applicable, whether it's I'm on with, uh, without Stu, Stu's on without me, we bring guests. Uh, this is an off the ball network uh, exclusive show. This is going to be a group project. So you're going to hit that on here. A lot of times uh, mock draft quarterbacks, we're going to do it all. So make sure you go check that out and also subscribe to off the ball network.substack.com. Um Check out the off the ball network betting corner that comes out at 3 PM Eastern every day, uh, we give y'all betting tips. We give y'all locks. Uh, we talk about it a little bit. Uh, very engaged from everybody. So anybody who's big in betting, make sure you check out our betting corner. Check out uh, Kenneth's, you know, betting article that he releases where he, you know, does three to four picks a day. Uh, wins you some money. He he has a pretty good record. So make sure you go check that out. And for that, I appreciate everybody for tuning in listening. And we'll catch you next week, Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern.